Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 251. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of Miss Marvel episode one, Generation Y, directed by Adil and Bilal, written by Bisha K. Ali, who has created this series for television. And Miss Marvel is a Kevin Feige production. Before our review begins, want to remind you about Fan Show Plus. That is the podcast that is exclusive to premium subscribers at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts, and that is the show where we talk about extra MCU news, and we also do spoiler reviews outside of the MCU, so most recently on Fan Show Plus, we have had our spoiler reviews of the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series. Parts 1 through 3 are available now, and Part 4 is going to follow soon after this episode of MCU Fan Show has become available. And if you want to check out that show and subscribe, you can go to patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, or if you go to Apple Podcasts, you can search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus, subscribe there, and get those episodes. And then make sure you are following us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to leave their review. And now, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? Man, I am so irritated at Disney because I want them to stop putting two major productions <laughs> on the same freaking day because it is so hard because, you know, as someone like me who is pretty much Star Wars and Marvel are neck and neck for me as like my ultimate, you know, favorite uh, fandoms or, you know, things that you know I'm really into or whatever. And when you drop two of them, you know, or both of them on the same freaking day, it's just hard for me to shift back and forth. I don't know. I'm sure other people don't have this problem, but I do. Like, I, because I want to like dive into Kenobi and then I want, but I actually want to dive into Miss Marvel too. And it's just like, I can't, I can't emotionally and functionally like dive into both of them and give them each of my, you know, attention and, and like energy. And it's just, it's very irritating. I don't like it. So I want to just get that out the bat right now. Like, I, okay, same week, I get it. And now I know when I compare this, this is not going to be the same thing because one's an animated series, but I much preferred when you give me, okay, you have to do Wednesday, which I hate already. But if you want to do Wednesday, fine. But to do one Wednesday and like Loki and do Bad Batch on Friday. Now, I know Bad Batch is an animation series, you know, a series, whatever. But let's do something like that. Why put it on the same day? I just don't get it. It's so irritating. And it's just, I don't know. I don't like it. So I just want to get that out of, out of the way right now. I, I'm so irritated that they have to do this. I hope that Disney figures out a better model of putting these shows out on different days and just scheduling in general. Like if they're going to have them, why overlap two pretty big shows right and so i have to get 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 that off my chest it's it's so irritating to me so sorry everyone i don't think you're the only one who feels that way and it's a weird complaint to have like you're giving me too many awesome things on the same day how true. dare you true but right, right i understand i totally understand it look from the podcasting perspective oh it's a lot of stuff but um yeah. never mind that just as a fan as a viewer it was easier for me this week because I had already watched the episode of Miss Marvel a couple times thanks to having a screener, but that's not what most people have. And so it is a, a bit of a challenge because, yeah, everybody's got their lives to live and, and work and family and all those things. So, yeah, it's kind of tough to carve out that time, especially with 
the way it works. Like you have to be able to try to figure out watching the two shows on Wednesday as soon as you can, if not very late Tuesday night, if you can stay up because yeah, then all over Twitter, Instagram, wherever the next day, everything's going to be spoiled from each show. So it, it's very, mm-hmm. very tough to try and keep up. Uh, but also, I, I think the reason why I have an issue with the way these things are overlapping, yes, it would be great if you've got two high-profile shows coming out at the same time, or there is some overlap between these last few episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi and the first few episodes of Miss Marvel. It would be nice to spread them out, at least on different days. Wednesday, Friday uh, is certainly something I love. Or if you are going to drop them both on the same day, make it Friday. So that way we have the weekend to catch up with everything that's out. I just want them to go back to Friday episode drops is really what I'm after here. But if they're going to have these things on Wednesdays, I also like the idea of spacing it out, not because of how hard it is to watch two episodes in one week. I watch lots of shows in a week, so I I can find time to watch these two things. Fair. But where it, it where it bothers me more is the weeks that we had before this and the weeks we're going to have after this where there's nothing. So we have all this blank space in the calendar that could have been used to spread these things out. So that way there were just more weeks on the calendar where we had a new Marvel or Star Wars series to look forward to on Disney uh, on Disney Plus, especially because. Marvel and Star Wars are like the top like flagship originals on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. There's not a ton outside of that. I know they have a lot of shows, but there's not a lot of those shows that have the same type of high profile. Certainly aren't of interest to me. Not that all Disney Plus programming needs to be of interest of me. It certainly does not. But it would be nice to have some of these things spread out and also some other great originals that aren't necessarily from the world of uh, Marvel and Star Wars. But anyway... Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of an issue, and I would like to see them coordinate it. But I, at the same time, I would love to see them have so many great originals that there is some overlap because there has to be. Right now, right. it doesn't really feel like there has to be. This is just the way uh, they allowed it to work out on the schedule, and that's kind of going to happen. And just knowing that's about to happen again in a couple months with She-Hulk and then the Andor series, like we're going to have more of that overlap, which just doesn't totally seem uh, necessary because there aren't that many major originals uh, on Disney Plus at the moment. But anyway, enough about that. Let's talk about Ms. Marvel. I love this show so, so much. I have seen two episodes, but I will limit the scope of of what I have to say just based entirely on what happens in this very first episode that you all hopefully have seen. This is a spoiler review, so you've either seen it or you don't care about being spoiled. So, I, I had very high expectations for this show. I've talked for a, a, a long time. I mean, it's not that long. The character herself is, is only, what, about eight, nine years old uh, in the comic books. So uh, Kamala Khan hasn't been around for that long, relatively speaking. But she made a pretty big impact early on. And I was a big fan of that first run written by G. Willow Wilson. Um, she, I just I loved those comics. There was something that felt so new and fresh about that character. And so many things that worked so well. The superhero aspect, of course, is of general interest to me. But for Kamala Khan, it was just her life as this uh, Pakistani-American Muslim teenage girl. Everything that she goes through with her family, her friends, her school, her faith, all of those different things. And it was just what I loved about the story is how small and, and intimate the story was. And it really just got into her life and... 
and just really allowed you to get to know the character and this, the entire life around this character. And those comic books were so inviting and so welcoming and so entertaining. And so I always had, like many, uh, a tremendous uh, desire to see Kamala Khan in the MCU. Of course, this is a character we've wanted to see in the MCU for pretty much from pretty much the start. And it was just a matter of time before that happened. And I remember how excited I was in uh, at D23 Expo three years ago in 2019 when Kevin Feige announced the Miss Marvel Disney Plus series. It actually got scooped, I think, about, what was it, like a half hour, 20 minutes before the Disney Plus panel started on that uh, the Friday of D23 Expo in 2019. I was already seeing it on the trades and everything that there was going to be a Miss Marvel series. And uh, they they hadn't scooped Moon Knight or She-Hulk, which were also announced at that event, but they had scooped the Miss Marvel announcement. Didn't care that the announcement got spoiled ahead of D20, uh, ahead of the presentation. But then to see Kevin Feige confirm that Miss Marvel in the MCU in her own Disney Plus series, and even though I I was I certainly wanted to see, and I'm still excited to see Kamala Khan in a movie. We're going to get that with the Marvels. I thought Disney Plus was a perfect uh, Disney Plus series was a perfect choice for this character because of what those comic books were. And it explored the types of scenes, the character dynamics, the relationships that you really need to devote more time to and, and the time that you get in a series that you don't necessarily get in a movie. And I really thought a Disney Plus series could get the most out of this character in this world uh, with Kamala Khan. And so I had tremendously high expectations. I, I've said it before, and it certainly remains true, even more so uh, after watching the first couple episodes of this series. I think Kamala Khan is the greatest comic book character that's been created in my lifetime. And uh, this series does a great job of highlighting why. This series does a fantastic job of capturing who this character is, Kamala Khan, portrayed beautifully by Iman Vellani. But it's the spirit of the source material that is alive and vibrant in these in the first two episodes, but especially here in this first one that we're going to talk about in the spoiler review. It is everything that I hoped it could be. I had very, very high expectations for this series, and so far it's living up to it's living up to them, and also even exceeding them in many ways. There is an energy to this series, as I said, it's a it's a vibe, it's a spirit. This series is just alive. It feels like it has just leapt off of the comic book pages. It might actually be one of the most accurate portrayals of a comic book character that I have seen in the MCU at this point, or any superhero movie or show at this point. I know they've changed how exactly Kamala Khan got her powers. She's not, to our knowledge, in this series yet anyway, uh, been confirmed to be an inhuman or anything like that like she is in the comic books. But as I've said in the, the run-up to this series, how she got her powers and even what exactly those powers are, like it's not the stretching stuff, it's the other stuff that we see in this series, that is not as essential to who Kamala Khan is as just the actual person. And that is what Iman Vellani does such a brilliant job of embodying. And uh, as I said, from her family to her school, her friends, every dynamic that made those comic books so rich and so enjoyable to read um, is present here, and I am just completely charmed by this series through this first episode and the second one, which I can't wait to talk about as well next week. <laughs> I here's the thing: I I have some issues with the show, but it's not in the story necessarily. It's some of it, some of it. It's to me is the execution. Um, I overall I liked it. 
and I liked it as a, more as I, the show went on. I know it sounds kind of being, being too harsh on it, but it was hard for me to get into it at first. And I have reasons why. And as we die, dissect the episode, I'll get into those reasons. But overall, I like the episode. Um, there are some choices they have made aesthetically that I'm not, again, I'll get into that. I'm not really super stoked on and it just, it's distracting, but at the same time, I, I do think that, um, the Miss Marvel character herself is, is really, really engaging. And I like her as a character. She, I believe her, she seems real to me for the most part again and it's not her performance again some of the execution and there's their stylized choices in the very beginning of this episode which I'll get into it was really hard for me to you know did not did not bode well for me at first I was like I don't know about this um but as the series went on it it, it felt more real for me as far as her as a character believing her as you know everything and her world that she lives in and everything I I really got into that and as we got more and more as kind of i guess i'll kind of spill a little bit it slows down a little bit as the episode goes and as i feel the episode slows down i can connect to the character more and i definitely did to her and her family as soon as they kind of started letting the story kind of unfold a little bit instead of throwing every single thing at me all at once in the first 10 minutes and again it's you know movies do that all the time too but I'm not sure how I just, it just did rub me a little bit the wrong way. And we'll get into a little bit more reason why in a second. But as the episode went on, I really did start to buy into everything in this world and just, you know, her setup as a character. Uh, I really liked everything and about her powers, which I can't wait to get into. I, you know, I've, I've been with you, Sean. I don't think that her stretchy powers and being an inhuman is integral to the character by any means at all. Like there's no, there's no reason for that to be such a connected part of the character as far as like exact th those aesthetics don't make her Miss Marvel. The character herself is that character. Right. And so I feel that those elements aren't they just aren't integral, you know, to me. I mean, you could argue that, you know, what if her, you know, actually, no, I would say that, yeah, because Spider-Man, you it's integral his having those Spider-Man powers, but her stretchy powers are still there. They're just modified a little bit differently. Right. And it, honestly, I'll, I think they look better. I already, I think they look better than yeah, the comic She still books. stretched I, out and used a big hand in this yeah, episode. So you yeah. still saw an embiggening, even if it wasn't that, uh, even if it wasn't the way that it's been presented in the comic books. But I, I don't want to go all the way down that rabbit hole of the comic books because I think we've talked about it before in, in sure. previous shows talking about this series and, and how those powers had changed. But look, there was a corporate mandate at the time to really push in humans and try to make them as big or yeah. bigger than X-Men, which was never going to happen, um, or as big or bigger than mutants, which again, never going to happen. And, you know, Kamala Khan, and all of that was happening as Kamala Khan was being created as a character. And it was just the convenient way at the time to explain her powers and, and give her the powers that she had. So I, I understood why they did it the way they did at the time in the comic books. And again, I enjoyed it. But I did not fall in love with those comic books because Kamala Khan could stretch or because they called Kamala exactly. Khan an inhuman. It was this character and and not just Kamala Khan by herself. It was her family, this entire life. Like I, it was always just such great character work and such terrific storytelling. And I think that's what they really captured in this series. And, you know, you mentioned the, the beginning of this series and some visual presentation I think this is where we are going to disagree quite a bit because I sure. loved this 
I am a big, big fan of Sloth Baby Productions. If that was real, I'd subscribe to it. I haven't even looked. There probably is by now uh, a Sloth Baby Productions YouTube channel. But finishing up her 10-part series on Captain Marvel, what I liked about this is it it demonstrates... I love when they can serve multiple purposes at, at the same time with these things. So, yes, it shows us Kamala Khan's love of Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, but it also gives us some insight into, because Kamala Khan at this point is a civilian in the story. She's not inside this world of superheroes. So we this seeing what she knows is what gives us the opportunity to figure out what exactly other people, what do the regular people in the MCU know about Infinity War, Endgame. And we know they're aware of a lot of things because we've been clued into certain details in other series and other movies. But Here's Kamala Khan, who's not a government agent, doesn't get to talk to any superheroes, but thankfully for her, some superheroes like Scott Lang speak publicly. So she's talking about it, and that gives us insight into what people know about certain events in the MCU. And so we've known for the Avengers that it was called the Battle of New York. Well, now it's the Battle of Earth is what we think about. What we've been calling the final battle for Avengers Endgame seems to be known as the Battle of Earth. And the public seems to know a lot of details. It's not just Jimmy Woo and Darcy Lewis and Monica Rambeau who get briefed on these types of things. It's not just them who know what happened in the final battle. The general public knows a lot about what went down because a lot of the details that Kamala Khan is explaining here in her 10-part series are pretty on par with, uh, they're pretty much on point with what happened in Endgame. Maybe some things are, maybe some details missing here and there, but she's pretty much got it. How did she get it? Big Me, Little Me, a Scott Lang interview from This Powered Life, a podcast. Of course, Scott Lang would do a podcast. I'm not surprised uh, by that. Um, I also like the little detail she throws in there um, that Thor is secretly a gamer because we, well, Thor wasn't necessarily the one that we saw playing games, but, uh, you know, he does chime in when Korg gets bullied by online gamers like Noobmaster69. So um, I, I like that. But then also setting the stage for Carol Danvers, that she's gone and nobody really knows what exactly she's been up to. And Kamala Khan trusts that Carol Danvers is out doing things that are, are necessary and she's still a fan. But it also shows that maybe there are some people who don't feel on Earth, who don't feel that way about Captain Marvel. And we know there's also some tension between Monica Rambeau and Carol Danvers that we're probably going to see uh, in uh, the Marvels next year. So all of that table setting I thought was really good and showing the level of Kamala Khan's fandom and how engaged she is in this world, how much she wants to know about it, how she's done all of her research, done all of her homework, and now she's communicating that to the world. I mean, we don't have the visualist, we don't have the visual style of Sloth Baby Productions, but hell, there's a lot of what Kamala Khan is doing. Uh, that's what we do, right? Uh, like That's um, what no, we do. No. We are fully immersed in the events of the MCU, and we just come out here and do our best to communicate our passion and talk about what this is. And that's what you, uh, what our listeners are doing as well, just exploring our fandom, except in Kamala Khan's world, this stuff is actually real. And, you know, we, we kick things off in here with a nice little thing of an, an emotional theme for Kamala Khan from that classic superhero origin type of story where she has that line saying, sometimes someone can come out of nowhere and do something amazing. And that is a, exactly what Kamala Khan is about to do in this story. 
Yeah, I, I actually really like the intro of this. Um, when I said at the beginning was hard for me to get into, it's more of the stuff after this. But I really like this explanation because it does, like you said, it serves multiple purposes. You're laying the groundwork for for the main character and her, you know, why she's obsessed with, with, with these characters and everything. And also you're giving us an insight of she is the insight of what the world, the greater world views the Avengers as for the most part. And you're also setting up potentially what's going to happen or, or not what happened, but set us up for what's been going on with Scott Lang in, you know, before, before Ant-Man three. So there's a lot to set up here, which I thought was really clever, cleverly done. And through like, again, what you said, John, very similar to what we do now, we're, we're geeking out about things that we love and, and, and talking about them because we're passionate and everything. And I think, I actually like this part of the show. Um, you know, I, I felt like, oh, this is perfect. This is a great, expo-, you know, exploring the, this character and why she is who she is and, and establishing why she's going to be doing what she's going to be doing in the episode and also having fun and kind of kind of giving everyone a, kind of an update on everything, too. Again, Captain Marvel is uh, another great example, you know, addressing the fact that where is Carol Danvers now? People know who she is. They established that she did punch Thanos and, and was, you know, toe-to-toe. And that's a, another thing I thought was interesting is setting up this almost like is it going to be a meta thing where it's like people are going to be like you know miss marvel blah blah you know or captain marvel you know the whole thing online you know whatever but it's almost setting that up a little bit it felt like i'm like i hope they're not going that route but it, it felt like they're kind of like there is this kind of like negative uh connotation with uh captain marvel a little bit that she you know even said well i just you know she's obviously got something you know doing she's doing something you know important so i thought it was interesting that there there might be you know a little bit of like you know you kind of abandoned us uh aspect to the character which is i think is really interesting uh mm-hmm. the fact i didn't even think about that for a second you know after infinity war and, and Endgame, you thought you know just she just did her thing and no one knew who she was this establishes these people are it it makes it more like real life in a good way i think that it makes it more predict or believable because you can understand like if this was real life and superheroes were going you know we'd be asking the same thing where, where the hell is captain marvel like she went and punched like the most powerful being you know right. and went toe-to-toe and then all of a sudden she's gone now what's going to happen now and and also you brought the idea of uh or what they established here with it's a battle for earth i love that I love the fact that it's not just a battle of New York. It's a battle for earth. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of switching that whole idea around. Um, again, lots of great table setting for multiple things on, on this introduction. So I really actually like this intro. Yeah. I, I thought it was great. And also, I mean, look, it's totally age appropriate, generationally appropriate for Kamala Khan that, yeah, she would as a fan, cause this, we know this, right. Even though we're, in the podcasting medium, we're not in the the video. Well, you are with the comic binge, but like this is how people communicate, express their their fandom and their love and their passions for things. This is one of the mediums that are that's out there that that people choose. And so for Kamala Khan to be in that space, um, it, it's just it's just perfect. And and I love the way it introduces us to the character, to what people know about what she knows about this world, what the general understanding, the general public's understanding is of uh, the events of the MCU and, and where we are now. And yeah, to, to set things up for Captain Marvel's return and, and what exactly that's going to mean. How does the world feel about her? Although I, I can't imagine the world is that invested in Captain Marvel because it's like, oh, a hero we had no idea existed because remember, it's not like Earth got clued into her existence pre-Endgame. Uh, well, I mean, maybe they knew about her in the five years between Infinity War and Endgame and got to know her a little bit, although she was still out in space most of that time, as far as we know. Um, but I, I think 
whether or not the the general public has some negative opinion of Captain Marvel, I don't know if that's I don't think that's going to be as significant as certainly the what seems to be more personal, probably the conflict between Monica Rambeau and Carol Danvers, because that's somebody, Monica, who might have uh, some right to feel perhaps abandoned or let down by uh, by Carol Danvers if she feels like Carol wasn't there for her when losing her mom or whatever the case may be. The Marvels will uh, inevitably, I, I think, sort that out for us. But this intro, I, I thought, was really, really great. And, of course, they're introducing us to the concept of AvengerCon. Now, we have a lot to say about AvengerCon and how it must be a real thing, but we'll save that for when they actually get to AvengerCon later on in the episode. But next, we meet Kamala Khan's family and I love this family so, so much. Loved them in the comic books, and I love them in this show. So we have her, her Ami, her mother, uh, who is uh, named Muniba, played by Zenobia Shroff. Uh, she is so good in this episode and so good in this series. Uh, absolutely love her. And of course, I mean, her dad is, her Abu is just super, super sweet. Uh, I think everything about this show uh, or everything about this family is great. Uh, her brother, Amir, uh, does a, a terrific job. The introduction to her family, which is very, very fast in, in the early going. Um, it, it works for me, though, because it's it's her busy teenage life that she's got stuff she's got to do. And she has to start off with, of course, one of those classic things of her driver's test. And, you know, her mom telling her to look in the mirrors every 15 seconds and her dad, uh, Yusuf, played by uh, Mohan Kapoor, saying that's not actually what she needs to do. But this back and forth of everybody telling you, but he, he, she needs to move her head around a lot. Everybody's got tips and tricks for how she's going to pass this driver's test. But uh, spoiler alert, Kamala Khan is not going to pass her driver's test. And I love when she uh, backs into the car, not knowing that it's it belongs to the instructor who's giving her the test, which I don't think anyone saw. Uh, that part really cracked me up. Um Everything about that. And then, of course, like the the disappointment of the parents, right? And mom laying on the guilt trip on the car ride home. Like, this is my fault. These are my genetics. Although she does say, you know, my mother, and when she talks about it, came from a long line of fantasizing, unrealistic daydreamers. My mother was one. So put a pin in that because it will come up uh, again later on in the episode. And uh, everything about this family just felt so real, so endearing. And you have parents who have expectations for their daughter, you know, a mother who's wanting wanting what's best for her daughter, not totally considering her daughter's perspective on that. Um, and then also the dad who loves his daughter and is not uh, not as critical as her mother, but at the same time is, you know, at the same time, they still want what's best for her and, and everything that, well, both of them do, obviously, even the mom who's being uh, critical. But I just I I loved this family. And that, as I said, that's a huge part of what made the comic books so great is those scenes just at home with Kamala Khan. And I was really hoping that the Disney Plus series would be able to capture that and happy to report that as far as I'm concerned, it, it totally did. And I think it got it to your point. It got better when things slowed down and got more emotional. But I don't mind the hectic beginning because I, I think it's right. just a reflection of this is the teenage life where everything feels like the massive, most important milestone of your life. And it all feels like it's coming at you so fast and you're balancing what you want with what your family expects and everything. So that's where, you know, the the hectic nature of the of the opening, I think, served to feature what's just inevitably a, a hectic time in, in the teenage life of Kamala Khan. 
Now that's a that's a great example of of why that it works for a lot of people. And I and that's a good point. I just, you know, watching it, it was just hard because they go through so much of their relationships and it like like it is supposed to be hectic, like this is a normal day in her life. I just I don't know when I was a kid, maybe things are faster now, Sean, but it never seemed that fast to me <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, but but either way, like I, I get that. And I think that that was definitely this is where the aesthetic choices are not my thing. And it was hard for me. And I was worried. I'm like, oh, no, because it wasn't just this scene. It, it, we'll get into the next thing as you know, next part as well. It was when you go from this to the, the, the home, to the car, to school. And it was just like, bam, 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 bam. And I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. It just, it was way too much for me at first. And I'm like, ugh, I was, I was worried. I'll be honest, straight up worried. And when you, in, when you include all the Into the Spider-Verse ripoffs that they're doing in multiple parts. Now, some of it is ripoffs. Some of it's actually influenced and actually they've done their own thing on. And I like it. And we'll get into that later too. But when you put all that together, that first 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, whoa, boy. I was a little worried. Um, but because the thing is, I love the parents too. And that was one thing at first that I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm vibing on this at first. But when it slowed down, I did start to really love the I got actually really love the mom and dad a lot. The brothers I'm indifferent on. But um, but I I was just worried about this how fast everything was going. It just felt like they were trying to cram so much into that first 15 minutes. And I did like the driver's thing. I, I that was very funny. It reminded me very much of my, you know, I was actually older when I got my license. So it was I can only imagine uh 16-year-old me trying to do that. Well, I, there's there's stories I can I can tell you later off air, but anyway, um, I can relate a little bit to what she had to to go through with the driver's ed teacher not being the nicest person in the world, um, you know, and so uh, which also I think it's the, the teacher from Stranger Things, am I right? Uh, yeah, he's so, in there. Uh, good. No, no, I was saying yeah, he's uh, that is the teacher from Stranger Things. That's their yeah. their favorite science teacher or whatever. And I need to, I need to finish. I have to finish season three of Stranger Things. Anyway, um, well, but on, uh, I hope so because they're on season four. I do. I heard season four is amazing. That's, where, that's the only reason why I want to finish season or uh, go through season three. Anyway, it's it's pretty great. I, yeah. So I haven't gotten into that aspect as far as you know, as the family introduced the family. It just wasn't enough. I was like, okay whatever third thing i laughed chuckled it made me laugh because my own experiences and i can re relate to the the nasty car driver uh and then when went right into school it's just it was just kind of hard it was all hard to kind of process for me to get into it and then you add in like this into the spider verse thing which which i unfortunately heard like them talking about a little bit just like you know peripherally from like twitter and youtube and things like that and I'm like, okay. And when I saw it, I'm like, oh boy. Um, so it just was, it was a kind of a hard introduction for me a little bit, I think. And it just, like you said, like I like the long shot. I like those, but they're starting to get old hat and not just in this, but in a lot of shows where I'm like, I don't need to see long shots anymore. What's, 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 let's save those for later. You know, I, I don't know. I just, it just, it just was felt like they're trying to cram so much into me and it just, I just didn't appreciate it necessarily right off the bat. So that's just my take on the very first uh, parts of the show. Yeah. I didn't have any uh, issues there. I And I liked, you know, going through the car ride home from the driver's test as Kamala's like imagining Captain Marvel soaring across the, the New York skyline. I thought was really great. And it looks like, was that like Avengers Tower there under construction at, at one point in that shot? But, um, you know, because we still got to see what's going on with Avengers Tower. We still don't have uh, missing a key update there. But um, anyway... Mm -hmm. 
I really like that. And of course, it, it is the backdrop of her mother talking to her about, you know, daydreaming. And here she is in the process of it. And she's and it's that escapism. And I, and I think that is uh, a really fun and, and interesting thing that the show is exploring is Kamala's relationship, but then also by extension, our relationship with escapism. And obviously for Kamala Khan, there are things about her reality that she doesn't totally love, like being super embarrassed about what just happened on her driver's test. And then she escapes from that by daydreaming about Captain Marvel, her favorite, soaring over that New York skyline. And I like the presentation of it, that she's imagining kind of her drawing going through it, which I don't think is like the literal representation of her imagination. But the way they represent that, I, I thought was really, really cool. And then we get to the other part of or another aspect of Kamala Khan's life, high school at Cole's Academic High School. And of course, the names that they put on here, they are honoring Captain Marvel writers and artists, including a few co-creators. So uh, Miss Marvel, I should say Miss Marvel uh, co-creators. One of them is not, their name is not listed here. That's Sana Amanet, who a lot of what Miss Marvel is, is kind of based on, it arose from stories about her childhood that another, a fellow editor at Marvel, Stephen Wacker, whose name is uh, on that plaque was talking about that should be the basis of a comic book character when Sana was also um, an editor at at Marvel. And, you know, Sana has been very involved in this series and an executive producer on the series. And, you know, when I talk about this maybe being the most accurate portrayal or adaptation of Marvel comic books into a Marvel live action film or series, I think Sana has a lot to do with it because, well, obviously as a co-creator of the character and somebody who lived the life of this character in, in many ways, or this character is representing a, lo a lot of uh, Sana's life. I think you show, you see that her involvement was very, very real and very, very active. It wasn't just ceremonial or we want to make sure her name is on it because she's a co-creator of the character. No, she had a very active role in the creative process and the development. Like she's there in the video where they're uh, casting Iman Vellani, like she was there for a lot of this process and uh, and she should be and, and did uh, obviously is such a huge part of why not just the comic books, but now this live action series with Kamala is so successful. And uh, and I love seeing that. I, I love seeing a comic creator being taken in and, and taken seriously and being pl and, and playing a real role in the development and ultimately execution of this series. Um, and this series is the better for it. But uh, in addition to Sana having uh, a role to play in the series uh, behind the scenes and getting a credit for it, getting these other names on that plaque, like uh, G. Willow Wilson, who wrote those first Miss Marvel comic books, um, or Adrian mm -hmm. Alfona and Jamie McKelvey as artists who are credited as co-creators of uh, the Kamala Khan Miss Marvel I love seeing them uh, honor them there. And then as Kamala walks through high school, you've got a teacher calling her Camelia, not getting her not getting her name right. And uh, and then, of course, we see uh, but just, you know, the, the struggles that she has in school, but also not everything is is quite as difficult. And sometimes it's just being teased by your good friends. So we meet her friend Bruno. Uh, and also her friend uh, Nakia in this uh, in this sequence as she's first arriving at school. And I love how right after this conversation where she's explaining to Bruno, um, who is played by uh, Matt Lintz, how she how she failed the driver's test and basically like, ah, I hit something. It's like, yeah, that's on you. 
And then when Nakia shows up, played by Yasmeen Fletcher, you see that Bruno and Nakia had uh, placed a bet on whether or not Kamala Khan was going to pass her driver's test. And uh, that part I, I, I loved. And so just that's a very quick way of demonstrating the, the friendship between these characters. Uh, all of that I, I thought was great. And also in terms of just setting the stage for where things are at and being true of the moment, or at least as much as I can estimate, because like I have no idea what kids are actually going through in high school. Um, but they're obsessed with the, or not obsessed with, but Kamala is very aware of the follower count of Zoe, who's the popular girl in school and maybe not exactly the nicest person in school, at least not the nicest to Kamala at, at this point. Um, but Zoe is also, you know, character from uh, the comic books. All these characters are coming right from the pages of the comic books. And, uh, we meet maybe my favorite character in that school, Mr. Wilson, as uh, or as he says, call him Gabe. But then again, that was also his father's name. So it doesn't really work. Him being the guidance counselor who like gets it and understands Kamala, but also doesn't really get it. Um, I thought he was just such a fun character in that sequence, trying to get Kamala to focus on her future, her real life and all of that, which brings us back into that fantasy versus reality space. But he also asked this question where, you know, Kamala is caught daydreaming where he's saying like, where's Kamala? And I like that question because, yes, it represents what's happening in the moment, but I think it also represents the search for identity that this character is going through. It's like, where's Kamala? Who is Kamala? And I think that is going to be a huge uh, emotional touch point in the series for Kamala Khan is, yes, the relationship with escapism and fantasy versus reality and how it's, you know, very tempting to lean into the realm of fantasy and there's value in it. There's value in dreaming big because it can allow, it can inspire you to accomplish big things. So I, I like that that's there for Kamala, but also she is in the process, even though she doesn't know it yet of becoming a superhero. And no matter what she does, she can't become Carol Danvers because she's not Carol Danvers. So where's Kamala? Who's Kamala? Even when she becomes a superhero, she still has to figure out, what that means and what that means for her and who she's going to be. And that being part of that essential search that, you know, when you're that age as a kid, like you're trying to figure that out. You're trying to carve out your own identity, your own space in this world. And so uh, putting that through the filtering, all of that through the lens of superhero adventures, which we've seen with other characters, obviously you have comparisons to characters like Spider-Man, but we, it's, obvious to see how many things are how it's uh, Kamala's own journey through that is so incredibly unique and you know the characters that are populating this world I think they do a lot to serve the journey that Kamala Khan is on but they're also just so fun and entertaining in their own right uh, especially Mr. you know Gabe slash Mr. Wilson here Gabriel Gabriel yeah. Wilson um no I <clears throat> I think with with this, when 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 I you had the fast paced you know things and you p go into school, I liked the Gabe uh, Wilson thing, and I I liked the aspect of Kamala being this daydreamer because there's a different aspect of having that you become what you love aspect of the character, which Spider Man is kind of played with a little bit in this in the MCU version, but it's not played up obviously as much as Kamala as we, as we're seeing. Well, we know that Peter is now that little boy in Iron Man too, but whatever I digress. Um, but the thing is with, with Kamala and I like that is that there's so much in her that I think a lot of us obviously can put ourselves into. Um, so I, I love all the, all these aspects that drive the show. I love all those things. Some of the, again, some of the execution of, of, of it is not my favorite, but 
when I talk about the fast pace of the school and with the home life and everything, it the school, the whole introduction, and you're gonna cringe when I say this, but I, I can't help how I feel. But it reminds me of ASM the first movie when they introduced the high school and Peter walking around. And I just felt it felt so manufactured and just not authentic. It kind of gave me that same feeling and it just felt very, just, I don't know. I did not like it. The introduction of that whole school and those, and those characters. I like Bruno though. Um, again, as the show went on, I liked everything a lot more. I just wish they would have put and slowed down a little bit with that introduction because I liked that. I love the high school aspects of these shows and I'm the young characters and I love diving into it because, again, I'm a 40-year-old man. I can't relate to being a, a high school completely, but I remember a little bit what it was like to be a high schooler and it was, you know, it was tough. And so, you know, I like to kind of live in that a little bit more. Um, before, and then, cause it just felt like when you throw in so much and then you bring in the fact that the counselor calls her into like over the intercom, it just was a lot. I'm like, really? Come on. I mean, I, I know it's a show. I get it, but I just wish that we could have like, just let, maybe you could show that part later on in the series or, you know, or later on in the episode, even to give at least some kind of, you know, slow it down a little bit. Um, but again, this is where I it was. This is where I was starting to get a little worried about the show itself. Even though I liked the aspect of all the different things were were being given. So, and I, I do like Bruno, um, but it just was definitely. This is where I was. I got the most worried, and I just wish they would have slowed it down a little bit more. Um, but yeah, some cringe for me in this introduction of these of these characters in this high school uh, aesthetic and uh, setting. So. Wasn't my, these are my least favorite parts of the episode. It was right off the bat. So you could tell, I just want you to know, it was, I was a little worried at this point for my, for me. Cause I'm like, oh boy, this is not, this is not boding well for me. Cause I didn't know. Cause everyone was, was praising the show and I was just not like connecting to it, um, from the aesthetic uh, standpoint. So I was worried at this point, Sean, I'm not going to lie. I was worried. Yeah, um, I just have so, very different tastes when it comes to the, the pacing of the story and the well, the the edit choices on this. Like, I, I think this is I really think this is the way to do it. I, I think this is a huge part of why it worked for me, because it really is. I think the reason why they're moving things so quickly is they're doing they're, they have to do a lot of work to introduce you to this character and to this world so they can get into the story. And it's kind of some and you could. You can always start the story first and then you can get into catching up on it. But I like the choice of setting the table first and then going from there. And yeah, I didn't have any cringe in in this high school scene. I thought that it all played very real to me. The friendship dynamic. I mean, just the awkwardness of Kamala Khan just navigating the hallway with like the dude who gets in the way, uh, the girls who won't, uh, you know, pause their conversation for a second just so she can get to her locker and she's in like I'll just you know she needs her textbook like I'll just google the periodic table I thought was great everything about that felt uh felt I mean I don't know if that was my experience in in high school (laughs) totally but it still felt real enough um and I've again I'm uh, a not quite 40 year old dude but I I wouldn't even pretend that I understand what the high school experience is uh now I'm sure some of it is uh relatable to what my experience was but I've got nieces and, and nephews in in those age ranges and certainly know how um there is way too much attention paid to follower counts and stuff like that but I I think that all of that just felt it felt authentic enough for me and and again I I think 
the purpose for it was to make it feel a little hectic, a little overwhelming, because that is what the experience can be, and that is what it can feel like, and that's what it is feeling like a little bit to Kamala Khan. And, and I think that's also part of what plays into her relationship with fantasy and with daydreaming is that there's so much going on in this world around her and it isn't really going that great and it isn't totally exciting. So she checks out into something that does excite her that she does care about. And I think it goes into that relationship where she doesn't want to necessarily be super in touch with her reality of the moment when that means getting smacked in the face with a dodgeball. Cause you know, there's a dodgeball incident that they're referring to in the past and another one happens uh, in this episode. So uh, I think there's a lot about that that is universal and, and relatable while also being very specific to Kamala Khan's uh, experience, which I thought was, uh, it, it was, it was totally working for me. And what also works for me and where I absolutely can relate is when she and Bruno are talking about how they got to get to, when they're at the Circle Q, got to get to the first ever Avenger Con. And that is a challenge now because uh, Kamala was supposed to be driving them there. Well, now she can't. She didn't pass her driver's test, didn't get her license. So how are they going to be able to get there? The urgency around getting to the first ever Avenger Con. I know I can relate because I will be that desperate when the first ever Avenger Con happens. And it will happen. We demand <laughs> we demand as much, and we'll get into that as the show goes on. But uh, I... I think fans of anything can relate to, well, if you have a chance to be the part of the first ever of something uh, you want to be, especially when it's so close. It's in New Jersey. That's where Kamala Khan is. So I, I can I can feel her pain, uh, her desperation, her urgency in that moment. But then we get a look at her costume because she's going to be competing in a Captain Marvel cosplay contest. Her costume just needs a final flourish. But now she also has to figure out how to get there, which means that she has to ask her parents. And we get a, a nice little moment here with, uh, as portrayed by Iman Vellani, talking about a little bit more about how Kamala Khan really feels about her relationship uh, with her mother. Because yes, you can play it up for you can play it up for laughs, and there's a lot of it that is very very funny. But there's also something very real when you're a kid, and you don't feel like your parents can really relate to or understand you and, and not just in like the parents, uh, the parents just don't understand kind of way, but in uh, something that is uh, a, a bit more real where again, Kamala Khan, she has things that she loves. She has things that she is passionate about. And unfortunately, that's not a place where her mother can really connect with her as she says everything I love, she seems to hate, and talking about how her mother must think that she's some sort of weirdo. I loved that moment so much, because that was definitely something that, um, that, that is something I can relate to. That is something that, as a kid, um, and teenager, and whatever, who grew up loving this stuff, and being so passionate about it, and I would say probably less justifiable to be so obsessed with it uh, in my life because it wasn't real. Like Kabbalah Khan, when she is a huge fan of Carol Danvers, that's a real person that she is a huge fan of who's done amazing things, who has helped save the universe. Um, whereas uh, I was loving characters and, and thinking about characters and dreaming about characters who were just saving the universe in fictional stories because they themselves were not real. And, you know, I, I think it was... You know, I'll I know in, in my own, I mean, not that uh, 
I don't think my my mom was ever trying to snap me out of re- snap me out of uh, fantasy land and into reality. Like I was pretty good at differentiating between the two, but there was uh, I remember a moment and thanks to the MCU where like when we watched uh, the first MCU movie that my mom really wanted to watch, she had seen the Avengers. But um, then when she saw the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, she really wanted to watch that. And so I went with her on on opening night and we watched it and that made her want to go and get caught up on the MCU. And so I remember I would go over to my mom and dad's house uh, like every Saturday for a while and we would catch up on a couple MCU movies. And she even said to me, like, I finally get it. Like after like now, like I understand why this appeals to you. And that took, you know, a long time. Like I was in my 30s by the time that actually happened, but it meant a lot when that happened. And so, um, and that was me at, fully as an adult to have my mom understand why I loved something so much. So for Kamala Khan to be craving that as a 16 year old makes all the sense in the world to me. And I understand um, how she can feel hurt when that isn't necessarily, um, you know, when that's not necessarily the way things are going for her right now. You know, and I, as you were talking, I, I was, I was, I had the, the Miss Marvel show going on and I talked about how that first part was just kind of up to the school part. And I realized it's about only about eight minutes at this point. Right. And I think right there when, when the show kind of slows down a little bit more, it, it's still kind of hectic, but it goes and in, in they, they are in the, in the Mart and they have the costume and he's talking and she's talking to Bruno mm-hmm. And they're just kind of going over everything. This is where I started really connecting with the show more because it started again. They slowed down. We actually had like conversations and wasn't just going all over the place. And I got to know the relationship more. And I loved all of this. Like you, you were saying, like how they're connecting, how they don't want to miss out on things. These are all things we all can relate to because you know, as we, if you're listening to the show. You don't want to miss out on being spoiled or or whatever, right? These are all things we all can relate to and, and identify with and can understand where she's coming from. And I think this is this to me is where the show really started going a different direction in a better way and in a, a much better way. Where I was like, okay, you're getting Kamala. I liked Kamala from initially, but now it's like coming home here. And I love that, that this is all the basis of this character of like this, you know, this is what is feeding my dreams and feeding my, you know, my daydreaming and, and what's kind of feeling me to kind of be creative. Right. And we all can relate to that. And I, I, I definitely identified and it was really cool to see her and Bruno interact together. Again, it was nice to see again, a nice quieter moment where you get to know these characters. And it, that, that to me is where I thought, Okay, I'm starting to kind of feel a little better about this, and I and this is where I, again I, I like the influence of the Into the Spider Verse as that they're leaving the, the the mark, and you have like all those like you know the collages of, of different you know animations kind of following them. I really like that aspect of it. So this is where I thought the aesthetic really worked for the show. So this is where it started kind of shifting up in a better way for me, and I gotta tell you like how rad that was. This story I, you told me that story about your mom before, and I, it's really cool to hear. Her kind of say, oh, I get it now. And it's as as we hear as as we watch these things, these things for so long, Sean, and read these comics for so long beforehand. And we always connected these characters and there was a reason why. And that's why I've always said that there's so many more characters that Marvel has put out there that people that, that will work. Like Ant-Man's a great example that it's just 
we we connect these characters and people you know did not because the medium of comic books is such a unique and that's a whole different you know, podcast as i i on my own youtube show and i do that i talk about because the medium itself is just has been just a very very interesting thing in and of it in and of itself but these characters transcend the medium and we the reason we connected to them in the medium of the of weird things like comic books is because they are so great and i yeah to see how Kamala is connected with these characters as well, it's, just, it's, it's interesting dynamics. I really liked this. This is to me when the show started really coming alive, and I really liked it, is having those quieter moments with Bruno that then followed up with her mom and her family as she goes shopping. So uh, this is when the show starts turning uh, a lot better for me. Yeah, and I also like the the animations that you referenced. So like against the wall, you know, these basically these living murals as yeah. Bruno and, and Kamala are dreaming up these different costumes of you know, how do you get the, how do you win the costume, the cosplay contest? Well, like maybe there's this final flourish that she wants to have, but maybe the idea is, you know, mashups. So Captain Panther and Iron Marvel and Doctor Strange Marvel, and then going all the way to zombie Captain Marvel with a zombie impression that Bruno asked that she never do again. All of that stuff was great. And I love the visual style of it. I, I love letting us see Kamala Khan's imagination pretty much in real time. And, you know, the stuff that she, if she had the pencil and the paper exactly. right there in front of her, that's exactly what she would sketch. And and so that visual presentation I thought was uh, just a ton of fun. And, and it was a huge part of what added to the energy about it. And, and I think that visual representation also really represents her love of this stuff. And it represents our love of comic books and things that came from comic books. Like all of that just feels represented and alive uh, on the screen uh, with the way they, they chose to present it. So I, I couldn't love it anymore. And then as she does get home, there is a, a package from uh, from Nani, from her grandmother. And uh, the mom is just saying that it's a, it's a bunch of junk. Um, Kamala sees a, a bangle that she is very interested in, but mom also recognizes it and um, is not a fan and just goes ahead and puts it back in the box. So that's something you know you got to put a pin in for later. And we'll see why uh, there's something special about that bangle. And maybe mom knows and uh, and uh, isn't saying, but we'll we'll find out. Anyway, as yeah, when they're running the errands, and I also love that like because Kamala didn't get her driver's license, like that was another part of the guilt trip on the ride home that Kamala was supposed to be helping mom with all of the errands to get ready for her brother's wedding, and maybe dividing and conquering a little bit with the various errands. But no, now it's just Kamala being along for the ride with uh, with every stop. And I, I love uh, the scene where um, as they're shopping, uh, her Aunt Ruby comes in and it's it's mom and, you know, it's her Ami, it's her aunt uh, talking, you know, just gossiping about yeah. uh, Fatima's engagement and how it how she broke it off to just go gallivanting through Europe to explore herself and whatever. And so here they are talking smack on that and, you know, just gossiping about it. And Kamala's reaction to it is so perfect where she just goes, good for her. Like she wanted to do something mm -hmm. and she went and she did it. She pursued her dream, what she knew was right for herself. And that's totally Kamala Khan, right? That's what she wants to be able to do. And yet she feels confined by uh, the expectations of her family, her faith, whatever, uh, and what, you know, her peers, whatever else it may be. And just knowing that by making these choices, that means that other people and, and not the choices that everyone else around her would make that that's going to lead to her being judged because here she's seeing it right someone is being judged behind their back because she's she's doing something that defies 
the conventional wisdom. And so uh, there was something that was very, very real about that scene. And I like when Kamala makes a good point um, and then it just kind of gets shut down because she's the young voice in, in the room and she's just the kid who doesn't necessarily uh, understand. But that um, I just that scene was felt uh, very, very real, very, <laughs> very authentic. Uh, it was so well done. Um, as was like, I, I love the relationship between uh, Bruno and and Kamala's father um, as he's created uh, basically an Alexa for with Zuzu um, programmed to understand Urdu. And like that was all of that was great. I, I love that her dad is just such a lovable dork. Uh, he's so much fun. And uh, there was also the sequence there where uh, I love uh, I love the love that. Kamala's parents have for Bruno, including her mother, like when she's asking if Bruno is hungry and he's like, oh, I already ate and mom's still sending him away with food. Uh, that was that just felt so on point for me. And, uh, you know, I know because it just it reminded me of uh, of my own mother in law, uh, who when I would show up at, at, at uh, my in-law's house there was no such thing as I just ate. So <laughs> like you were, you were going to get, you were going to get a plate. And if you, if you had to go, then you were being, you know, it was being boxed up and sent to go with you that there was just no turning down food um, from someone who wanted to you was using food to communicate their love for you and, and wanting to take care of you. Um, and so the way, and, and also knowing because we're, it's alluded to in this episode that, that Bruno doesn't necessarily have, uh, the family presence that Kamala has and the way her parents kind of step in to help uh, show love for and, and take care of Bruno, uh, I thought was very touching. This is where I, I started really getting into um, even like really loving the parents uh, because they actually felt very real to me. Um, you know, my mom, God bless her, you know, 20, 30 years ago, my brother was married uh, to his uh, this is not very long, very convoluted, but his first wife, uh, they would just sit in this gossip like this. Like, I, and so like she, and I can, and this is where I could totally relate to her where I'm by myself with her and my, my mom and my, my, my sister-in-law at the time. And like, they'd just be gossiping and I'd just be like, God, kill me. You know, <laughs> it was the worst. And it, it would, but it felt, this felt like a very real thing because you know, she says like, well, yeah, like she disagrees with them. And this is where you get to see the, how, you know, she is so different than her, you know, her family, but like, it's just, you see even more so how much of an outsider she is because, uh, you know, again, to the tales, the oldest time, you know, is, you know, kids not being able to relate to their parents and just feeling like isolated from their parents. Right. That that's never going to be outdated. That's always going to be a relatable thing. But I think what's even more outside of that is even the greater family. When like you go out like, like home alone, right. Uh, this is really random, but like he's, he feels like an outcast in his own family. He can't relate to anyone outside in and out outside of his family. And it's just seeing that diff it's a great, it's not just within our own family. It's uh, even more so. So it was a great uh, explanation of something that I think that it shows you and drives home the fact that she is so different and that they, they, they not only like can't relate to her, but they also look down on people who aren't like doing the same things that they want to do. And you're getting that in a very natural way, which I'm like, yeah, I totally getting why she feels isolated from her own family and probably maybe even identifies with a Captain Marvel as powerful because she is so independent as a, as a character, you know, from 
the in-universe and as we see here and you know in the in the movies itself so I, this is where I really started getting really into the show. And I love the mom and dad because they are so real because they're not perfect people. They're, you know, there's the regular people like everyone else, but they're, they're also like care for their daughter. And I just, I, that was all on display here. And I love that. It just, this is where it started to really come home for me. And I, I loved seeing her uh, reactions to the box, which when we get to more of the, um, the wristbands and her grandma and everything, and her mom might knowing I, I have a, I have I have void theories, so I, maybe I have a theory that people have already talked about. I don't know, but I'll save it for when we the really matters about the the powers are a little bit so and the bracelets. Um, but I'm really excited about to talk about that. But um, but yeah, I, I I this is where I started really getting into the show, and I love the dynamic of her just driving home of her being isolated by her family. Um, or just feeling like, you know, isolated and alone in the black sheep a little bit. Um, cause again, those are things that are relatable to so many different people and they, they transcend age. And I love those themes and ideas that people can kind of grasp on to identify with her. And I thought they did a great job of really starting to really, once the show started slowing down, doing a great job of just putting that on display in a really great way. Yeah, I, I think it was, all of this stuff was really great. And yeah, this is the highlight of the show. Like, even though. I obviously liked a lot of the fast pace, uh, you know, introduction to the world more than you did. I, I do agree that this is where it gets even better because, yeah, it's so much better to have the moments that you really get to spend time in and, and actually live in with the characters. And, and that certainly is where you, you see the show just take uh, just reach another level. And then uh, Kamala gets a chance to make her ask, you know, can I go to Avenger Con? And, you know, the mom uh, laying out everything. I, I mean, I just love the line of like, no, I don't trust you. And the dad and I, I like Kamala's dad saying, no, she trusts you. And the mom saying, no, I don't. Um, I do think that I, I don't totally believe that Kamala's mother doesn't trust her. I, I just think maybe in, in that moment, there's uh, there, there's maybe some doubt. Uh, but also there's there's other things they don't trust. It's other people around, like strange boys, uh, they point out as a, as a concern. If Kamala Khan is essentially going to go to a party with uh, with Avenger Khan. And so there's certainly a lot of that that is very specific to Kamala and, and her family. Um, but then also, yes, something very universal about that, of the, whether or not the parents are going to let the kid, the teenage kid go out for the party. And, um, and, and it fails miserably, this initial request. And then uh, this is the scene where, when I mentioned liking Kamala's brother, I, I really liked his response to this. Like when he goes and visits Kamala in her room, he brought her some chai. And that was just a, a very true sibling moment. Like one sibling witnesses another sibling's failure to convince the parents of something. But there's a certain respect there, as he even says, like it was a bold move, like it wasn't necessarily well thought out. But I respect that you were so bold with the ask here and then says that he's going to go ahead and try to talk to them. And 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 also, which actually reinforces the point that Kamala made, if it was her brother, Amir, who was asking for these things, it would just be a, a yes with no questions asked, which points out to Kamala that, yes, she is younger, but she's also a young woman as opposed to a young man. And that is also uh, part of why she is being treated differently by her parents. But you know, as, as unfair as that may be, at least Amir is going to try and, and do his best. And he must have had some uh, sway over it, as her parents do eventually at least think they're going to let her go. But before we get to that, we get Kamala 
expressing to Bruno just how the plan has failed and how it has not worked, saying that they said no, and we get the text messages back and forth. I really like the visual representation of the text messages, and you know, I like that it wasn't just word bubbles. I like that they incorporated it into the visuals, almost as if it's part of the production design of the show. All of that, I, I thought, looked really, really cool. Uh, it was a really fun way of, of showing that conversation and allowed the conversation to move. Like as uh, Bruno is going through the circle queue, like upstairs into his place, uh, and we see him continuing to work on things for uh, Kamala's Captain Marvel costume. Uh, all of that uh, visual presentation, I, I thought, was really, really great. And then uh, the next, then we're seeing Kamala in her room. Uh, another day trying to uh, try on her costume. And that's one of the concerns that her Ami has is that it's a tight costume. And uh, Kamala rightfully points out that Captain Marvel's costume is not that tight, but it's still tighter than what her mother would be comfortable with. Uh, we see her trying on the costume, checking uh, checking it out in the mirror. She adds uh, the sash that, of course, is going to become, uh, well, it is a part of Captain Marvel's look uh, in the comic books, but it also becomes a, a big part of, uh, it can be a part of Miss Marvel's look. Um, and so like, I, I liked seeing that, uh, that sequence for her. And then I really like, and I thought it was a very sweet attempt by her mom of trying to say like, we're going to let, we've decided, we've talked about it. We've decided that we're going to let you go. And then she lays out the terms that, you know, your, your Abu, your dad is going to drive you and he's going to go in there with you for a couple of hours. These are kind of the conditions, but Mom really uh, thinks she's done something here when she says, I have a surprise for you. And she has the Soar Kameez as uh, the Hulk costume that she has made for her daughter. And it is a matching costume because in Buzz Dad <laughs> into the room uh, in full Hulk out mode so they can go to AvengerCon together as Big Hulk, Little Hulk. And uh, Kamala... Not a huge fan of this, and she does the the teenage thing of uh, basically parents being embarrassing and talks about how that would be humiliating, thus hurting the feelings of both her father and her mother, her mother who made these costumes, and her father at the idea that uh, his daughter would see him as something she would be, someone she would be embarrassed by. It's a, a moment that is certainly very universal in coming-of-age stories and kids trying to find their their independence and how a certain level of engagement with their parents might seem, uh, and not being able to break away from the identity of their parents can be, especially in front of their peers, can feel embarrassed, can feel like something that would be embarrassing or humiliating. So obviously something very genuine about that. But uh, the most genuine moment, though, is the, the immediate guilt from Kamala Khan in realizing what she said. It's not really what she meant. Um, and then, of course, her dad being hurt by that, like him just like you could just see his heart break um, at the idea of his daughter being embarrassed by him, which is a moment that, uh, you know, parents are destined for as their kids be <laughs> become know. teenagers. Um, but yeah. Uh, and well, they're not going to communicate it in the best way. Their, their love for you has not disappeared. Their respect for you has not disappeared. Um, but uh, yeah, in Sometimes they don't communicate it in the best way when they are trying to prioritize their own uh, individuality. But uh, it was a very, very sweet and sad, uh, authentic moment. Um, yeah. but, um, but never fear, because even though Kamala rejected the idea, I have a pretty good feeling that we're going to see on the, the real-life convention circuit, we're going to see a lot of Big Hulk, Little Hulk, Daddy-Daughter pairs. Yeah! 
that'd be rad. No, I, and this is where, again, I keep talking a broken record here, but I really started loving the family dynamics because when she, I love when she first tries to tell them, you know, I try to explain what she wants to do. And the mom being like, Skippy outfits, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, this is so like, it's real, man. Like, this is real. Like, this is stuff that, you know, parents are concerned about and, and cosplay has, and again, if people have every right to do that, but for young, you know, young children, it is, it's, it's a choice and it's a, whew, it's, it's, it's a lot, man. And I, I was just like, man, this is so, I, my daughter is two years old and I've already can foresee these conversations and it, it frightens me to death, to be quite honest. Um, and you know, but if, again, this felt real to me and I love the, the, the reactions, like you brought the sibling, um, her brother coming into everything. This is where the show, when I, I, I can identify with this, her brother's, you know, a good, seems like a, what, at least three, at least four years older than she is at least. Um, my brother's six years older than I am. So there, you know, we had it, we we're very, very close, but you know, growing up, it was a very awkward time because I was so much younger than my brother at the time. Um, but there was those moments of like trying to help each other out too, like that. So a lot of great stuff here of just universal, you know, you know, feeling the outcast and also trying to explain to your parents what you want to do and they can't identify with them and they can't identify with you, identify with you. But also I, the, the moment when they came in that was both played for laughs, but also just heartbreak. Oh, that, that was rough, man, because I was I was at this at one moment like, no, and laughing at the same time, like, no, because you know what they're setting up. The whole time I'm like, no, don't do this because it's so sweet, but also so embarrassing. Ah, it was it was hard to watch in a, in a good way because I just did not want, um, you know, Abu to get hurt, and he did. Oh, that was gut wrenching, man. I ain't gonna lie, that was gut wrenching for me. Um, as a father, whoo, as to a daughter, I'm like, ugh, ah, I don't want those days to happen, but they're going to. Um. But it, her mom making the costume, you know, I can relate a little bit, a little bit to this because um, back in my day, uh, when I was 16, 16 years old, uh, 17 years old, Sean, I tried to play, uh, um, I was playing bass and music and I, I just got, someone gave, gifted me a free bass. But when I was, I was playing in a band at the time and all my gear was just not good to say the least. And I had to basically fight and, and get this kind of like what she did, you know, get bummed out and throw, you know, and be like, well, you you aren't supporting me kind of an idea. And my parents finally kind of caved in and, and helped out a little bit, you know, not as much as I, I wanted to at the time that I needed, but they, they, we, they met me at halfway and I appreciated that. So I can, I, I just, I could see myself doing the same thing with what she did to her parents that I did, you know, at her age. So it was interesting. Uh, it was an interesting dynamic for that, for me. And, uh, yeah, it was it was gut wrenching when they when they came in and they really tried to make it work for for her and it wasn't still quite and hurting her dad's feelings and oh that was just yeah it was th this is when the show got me this is where I started I went from liking it, starting to like it more to like okay I'm in, I'm in like I as soon as that moment happened with with Abu and he came in as a Hulk I I I was in sold I'm like all right I'm in I I, I don't want to see I I, I care about everyone in the in the show. So this is where I started like really liking the show. So yeah, I, I love this part. This might be my favorite part of the show, to be honest. Yeah, it was, uh, I couldn't blame you for that. I mean, it was pretty great. 
And then, you know, Kamala having the conversation with Bruno after this, I think I made my dad cry. And she did. There were tears in his eyes. That was uh, that she hurt him pretty bad there. Um, it made me cry. God yeah, damn it. I mean, Seriously. Look, I mean, she totally didn't mean it the way that it came out. I and know. she she heard it as soon as she said <laughs> it, but she couldn't take it back. Um, so, yeah, she's feeling bad about that. And, you know, she's also at this place where she's kind of doubting herself and, and talking about how maybe she does need to move away from these fantasies and focus more on reality and also, you know, thinking, doubting herself like this is these are unrealistic dreams for her to have. As she says, the line that, of course, we heard in the trailers, it's not uh, the brown girls from Jersey City who get to save the world. And I love Bruno's comeback to that. Like, you're Kamala Khan. You want to save the world, then you're going to save the world, um, which she'll get a chance to do, many chances to do. Um, and then uh, it's then we get the other part of that dynamic, right, where we have this friendship that on one side appears to be completely platonic from Kamala toward Bruno, uh, but it's pretty clear that, that Bruno has uh, other feelings beyond friendship for Kamala, uh, but they're not, uh, we see it in the episode, but they are, of course, not uh, reciprocated. Uh, but Bruno just takes it in stride and, and moves on and presents the photon gloves that he has made as a, uh, as not the final flourish, but one of the final flourishes for her costume. And then they come up with the plan uh, Kamala does, her very, very complicated plan that is, as Bruno correctly summarizes, take the bus of how they're going to get to AvengerCon, use the Zuzu system to monitor uh, Kamala's parents so she can sneak out and go. And how perfect is it that the first ever AvengerCon is held at the birthplace of Captain America, Camp Lehigh? Uh, that was uh, an awesome touch. So I was a, a big fan of that. But before they can get there, they do need that final flourish on the costume. And Bruno suggests something uh, Pakistani, which is also in line with how Kamala was feeling. And I think her wanting to add that to her costume and a piece of her family, her culture to the costume is kind of her way, I think, of making up for what she rejected earlier with the costume yeah. that her mother had made. And so she goes up to the attic and she ends up going back to that Bengal that uh, was part of the junk that her mom had talked about earlier and just had uh, Amir put away uh, in the attic and uh, by the way, the the whole fantasy of how she was going to get to AvengerCon with like her family loving her and thinking she was the most amazing person <laughs> in the world, uh, the perfect the perfect sister, the perfect daughter, uh, all of that was great. And then like her imagining herself in a pretty much movie perfect uh, version of the Captain Marvel costume, and how everybody was just going to be so happy to see there see her there, and the tiara that she was going to win would be made of real diamonds. <laughs> Bruno being like, no, it's not. Um, all of that was perfect. And it's just like, that's the heightened version of it that Kamala is going to, uh, mm -hmm. to fantasize about. That's, that's the dream. Right. And so then when she gets a chance to try and actually live that, she really does come crashing back to reality. As soon as she jumps out the window to grab onto that big tree branch and it just falls, uh, on top of her, uh, which uh, was not so great. And then, you know, the magical trip on the bikes to get the bus, uh, ultimately results in her, losing her bike so all of that was just uh all that that was was very very funny and, and very you know charming as it's supposed to be and that yes you have the perfect way that it all comes together in your head and then uh the reality ends up being quite different but the reality that really matters to kamala khan is that she gets to go to avenger khan she's there at camp lehigh and 
what can we say? AvengerCon is perfect. It's amazing. I want to go there. I want to be there. We see like the cosplay all over the place. Uh, so many great costumes. There's the Star Spangled Man is being played over the PA system. The Ironettes from Iron Man 2 are there. Um, you have all sorts of Easter eggs all over the place. Uh, like your Welcome America featuring America's ass, which I guess. Wow. Does that, but they weren't in on that joke. So they I, guess, they I guess that yeah. must mean though that America really just really liked Captain America's butt, which I mean, yeah. I guess I understand. So like, it's fine, but yeah, it's, it's mm. not so much an inside joke or maybe that story got told. I don't know. Um, I, I guess, well, look, Scott Lang did podcast interviews, right? And he was the one who said, as far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass, right? So, yeah, there you so go. There it is. That's There's your in-canon explanation of how mm-hmm. uh, the world got in on the America's ass joke. It was uh, courtesy of the writer of that joke, Scott Lang. Um, and speaking of that, I love the Ant-Man merch. And, and I like that some of the merch in here was real merch, like the Ant-Man helmet there is the Marvel Legends Ant-Man helmet, which like is right here behind me as I record this. There's a Marvel Legends like Captain America shield. So all of that stuff was cool. I like the different t-shirts, like the Asgard Pride shirt, the Mr. Tree shirt, because I guess that makes sense. Although they're getting all these details, but they don't get the name Groot uh, communicated. I, I don't know. I, that, <laughs> that part, I feel like they they thought the name Mr. Tree was was cute and fun. Tree! And they didn't Tree. go. Yeah. <laughs> they loved that name so much that they forgot that, well, I, I kind of feel like if they would get to know who Captain Marvel is, um, right. if they would hear these stories, that they would probably hear what the actual name was of uh, of Mr. Tree. Or maybe they just prefer the name Mr. Tree over Groot. I don't know. Maybe they... They think they uh, they liked uh, uh, E tree when he's like tree. I need a handle. Yeah, tree, I need a handle. <laughs> oh, that's, no, that's what I was doing before. <laughs> tree, give me the handle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Infinity War is great. So I love Infinity War. Uh, yeah, all of that stuff with Avenger Con was so good. And then like, there's the big Captain Marvel like statue thing hanging that she's looking at, which. They have like either a replica of that. If it's not the same one, I, I couldn't tell. But like they have that at the Stage 17 store at Disney California Adventure, not far from uh, where Avengers Campus uh, sits. Um, all of that was great. And I loved, oh, man, one of my favorite moments of the show, uh, at least for, you know, one of the more hilarious moments for me is Kamala getting grossed out when she decides to check in and see how her how her scheme is yes. going with her parents. And uh, it's, you know, the brother's out visiting his fiance. Kamala Khan is uh, locked away in her room and dad decides to start getting frisky with mom and <laughs> Kamala having to catch that moment that no kid wants to see uh, from their no. parents um, was uh, was perfect. I, I was cracking up at that. But overall, uh, before we even get into the cosplay uh, contest, I love this whole thing with Avenger Khan. And, you know, it's something we've talked about for years from like being in Anaheim for Star Wars Celebration in 2015, being like, they really should do a Marvel thing like this. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's Comic-Con, there's D23 Expo, and I'm excited to go to those things. And Star Wars Celebrate, what, what makes Star Wars Celebration so special is like, you're there to celebrate Star Wars. Everyone is there to celebrate Star Wars and their love of Star Wars. And Marvel at this point Uh, The MCU is as big as anything, and so it certainly deserves its own convention. It's been something that fans have talked about and wanted for years now, but now that they've gone ahead and they've given it a name and made it a part of the MCU, AvengerCon is something 
that has to happen. You know, when we talk about coming of age, you know, you learn the difference between wants and needs. I don't want AvengerCon. I need AvengerCon. Uh, this is something that they they have to make real. Yeah, we talked a lot about this, uh, you know, off air and, and years ago and to recently. And it's just it's about time they do it. I know Kevin Feige had kind of talked about it publicly a little bit and say maybe it's time. And, and there, I think he I think he even said um, again, I, 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 I saw it on a YouTube video or something like that. And they and I think he said that this is something they're seriously talking about. There's they're having active conversations yeah. about it. And do it. Yeah, I. They they need to. It, it's it's time. Um, as a giant star, you know, Star Wars fan, celebration is so much fun, and there's so much they could do and emulate a lot of different things with with that. I think that are really successful and engaging for us fans. And I I just think it's time. Like you said, it's it's beyond time. I think Marvel is is a brand that is definitely uh, supplanted itself to in the likes of a Star Trek and of Star Wars, and where it's its own it owned entity. It's not just a part of the comic book, you know, DC and all those other things, you know, uh, universes, and and it's its own. It's all in one place. It's bigger now. It's beyond the comics, which I think is a good thing in the films and it's entrenched in so much more than just in the medium that I love in comics, but in every, all kinds of different things. So it's beyond time to get a real Avengers con of Marvel uh, celebration, if you will, for lack of a better term um, going. Uh, I, I like this, even though it definitely felt, uh, I don't know if you felt about the, this, how Avengers con also felt very small, but again, it's, it's COVID. We're giving out all that stuff. I get it, but it also felt like a very like underground con, if that makes any sense. Like it didn't really feel, but it would have like to a, be right. Cause like, if you're thinking true. about Avenger con, like this has to have been made by fans. Cause there's no like Avengers corporation in true. the yeah. MCU. And it's not, uh, it's not Stark enterprises, hosting or creating uh avenger con or, or anything like that or stark right. industries or, or whoever like it there's no there's no big corporate backing like it's purely by the fans what it reminded me of was more of like i don't know just smaller scale cons like a long beach comic con yeah. although that's exactly. pretty big but like the cons that are not san diego basically or new york comic con or a star wars yeah. celebration like and it has, it's like, this is really there for like the fans where like, there's no celebrity appearances promised. And, you know, I don't even know if the Ironettes who were there, were they the Ironettes who were part of the Stark Expo in mm. Iron Man 2? Or is that just cosplay? Like, I, I don't know. And, and so like, that's the part where um, I'd have to I, IMDB and see if any of the actors are the same. But uh, it, this really felt like something that was a lot more grassroots of like these are people who just love the avengers and, and love the heroes who save them and they've on their own just kind of organized a a convention and so i'm fine with it feeling small like it was you know by the fans for the fans it makes sense in this world obviously that's the part that would be way different if they were to do avenger con uh for real it would be huge and you would have panels with the actors and directors and, and everybody and Kevin Feige, of course. And so uh, that's where uh, but in world, in story, I, I thought this was appropriate, especially because, hey, it's the first one. Right. You go back mm -hmm. to the humble beginnings of like the first ever Comic Con and stuff like that. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily uh, it wasn't anywhere close to what it is today. So in story, Avenger Con, I think, will get much, much bigger 
as time goes on in the MCU. And it's always an idea that they can go back to and, and revisit. I mean, Kamala Khan can go as a hero now, uh, as opposed to just uh, being there to compete in a, a cosplay contest. Um, there was one other piece, though, of AvengerCon that um, that I wanted to talk about, and that was the there was the the tribute to Iron Man and Black Widow, where it says, you know, thank you for your sacrifice. And that I found interesting because we talk about what these things mean as far as what the world understands about what happened. And mm. when we go back to the in memoriam segment from Spider-Man Far From Home, which was hilarious, Captain America was part of it. Uh, Vision was too, and he's not uh, part of this. And, you know, based on the Disney, the Disney Plus timeline order, maybe Vision isn't thought of as dead anymore because of White Vision, and people know about that, know that he's out there, <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it made me wonder about Captain America because in Spider-Man Far From Home, he was perceived as dead. But in this, um, you know, you would think that if they, if the fans of AvengerCon thought that Steve Rogers was dead, he'd be right there in that picture with Iron Man and Black Widow. And we also know that people do believe uh, that Captain America, that Steve Rogers is living on the moon right now because of what we heard in The Mm -hmm. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So the perception of Steve Rogers appears to have shifted uh, in the MCU and whether or not he's dead. And uh, these uh, these fans and, and the fan art at uh, at AvengerCon would suggest that people don't think so anymore if they if they did when they were cutting together their in memoriam for Far From Home. I which, which technically was eight months up. after the final battle. Right. And I, I chalk it up to I think it's it's heavily debated if he's alive or dead. Yeah. So I think I think that's where I, I kind of go with it. Is that is that they, they, everyone is, you know, it's are you either is he dead or is he alive camp? That's There's true. No, that's that's where I can. Yeah. Which again, and whichever well, fan, whichever fan made that art, we know where they land on the issue. Exactly. So I, I honestly, I think that's where it goes, because think about it, if this was real life now, Sean, that's what it'd be. That's exactly what it would be. So, um, you know, we all be debating like, no, they're dead. I mean, we do that for now for, you know, for films and TV shows. I can imagine if superheroes were real and something like Captain America was real, we'd all be saying that. Like, well, he's not really dead. He's probably you know, living in space with Captain Marvel having babies. I don't know. You know, you don't know. It's like people have crazy theories, you know. Uh, I, But yeah, the Avengers Con scene was interesting. It definitely felt small. Um, but, but I also felt, it, it felt almost accurate in some ways. It was just, it was yeah. kind of weird. It was, just, it, was, it was weird. It was, I both, I thought it was, is is very accurate in that sense. Or those are my favorite con, cons to be honest, or the smaller ones, it's just easier to kind of have fun and like not have a lot of pressure and zillions of people around. And it's just, it's just easier to, for me to let, let loose a little bit. Um, I did, if it is going to be emulating anything that it does from the show for Avengers Con, I just want a giant Hulk face like that. Oh, yeah. And as we enter in, that has to be standard, right? I think so. Well, I think what they have to do when they when they do the the Avenger Con for our world is this Avenger Con has to be inside of it. Like this has to be on the convention floor that you can walk into yes. the, the Avenger con as it was presented in this episode of Miss Marvel. I, I think that needs to be part of it. Walk through the Hulk mouth and, and all of that. Um, all the same merch, all the same layout and everything like that. I think they should totally, totally do that. Um, and then for the, the cosplay contest, 
there's a lot of stuff here that's very like Easter egg, right? So you have Zoe who yep. is unexpectedly <laughs> part of this contest wearing a costume that oh, looks a lot oh. like the one Carol Danvers used to wear in the comics when she was Ms. Marvel before she was Captain Marvel. Um, but also, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure I thought Zoe wore something like that in the comic books or something like that. Or I know there was a time when Kamala envisioned herself looking in in that sort of Ms. Marvel uh, type mm. of costume. But uh, yeah, Zoe is now unexpected uh, competition. And to make things even more challenging, when Kamala went to the bathroom to change in her costume, she for she put on that, uh, well, she didn't put on the bangle yet, but she was so distracted that she forgot her photon gloves that Bruno had made for her. And Bruno is, of course, disappointed that these were forgotten, but doesn't hold it against Kamala, doesn't make her go back because he realizes she will miss the cost the contest, which is being hosted by... Marvel's Agent M, Ryan Panagos. So if you file, if you follow Ryan, Agent M, on uh, if you follow him on Twitter or Instagram or wherever else, um, if you're part of Marvel Comics fandom, you tend to see uh, uh, Ryan Panagos a lot. And if you're going to the Marvel booth at uh, San Diego Comic Con or New or uh, New York Comic Con or any other place where any other convention where Marvel has a booth, you will usually see Ryan Panagos there. And uh, I loved seeing him get a cameo in this. And it was the perfect sort of thing because he's been there announcing uh, cosplay contests and stuff like that at the Marvel booth for uh, for a long time. And you'll see him as a lot of Marvel's live streams and, and social coverage for um, conventions and things like that. So, uh, and of course, a big part of uh, some Marvel's official podcasts. So seeing him get a cameo here and like the, the perfect place for him to have one, uh, I really, really liked and uh, speaking of cosplay that was uh, that I, I liked, you know, I, I really liked Bruno Banner. Uh, I also liked Bruno Stark that Kamala was imagining earlier on in the uh, Bruno Banner was great. Yeah, but Bruno Banner, Bruno Banner was was fantastic. And, yeah. uh, you know, then when she actually puts on when Kamala's getting ready, the final flourish, no photon gloves, got to put on the bangle and things just get cosmic and. She's not even really trying to do anything, but the earliest manifestation of her powers is there when she takes center stage to show her costume. And she, of course, has no control over exactly what's happening, which leads to a a giant man slash Ant-Man helmet getting knocked off and just being very magical and just continuing to roll in any direction the scene needs it to roll in, which I thought was a little visually that was a little clunky but it was fine yeah it was to, to introduce a a mild amount of danger in the scene or it's being portrayed as mild although it didn't it got kind of serious there when all of a sudden a a thor hammer comes swinging down and uh and it, and it didn't it, kill chloe how did it i mean kill her? yeah I'm like, like it smacked her it was pretty big and it smacked her pretty hard um and she's just like stuck to it and then gets dro- and then you know gets dropped and kamala catches her as the you know the embiggened hand that i talked about earlier in the show yeah visually the execution of that was a little awkward um at least a little awkward i i can't fault it for that or i can't <laughs> i can't deny that um, but it didn't bother me all that much. Um, what I liked about it was I, I thought the powers in this very early, very crude stage where Kamala doesn't have any control over it, I thought they looked cool. And I also thought that when we're, when we're talking about capturing the spirit of things, one of the biggest things there for Kamala Khan is with her stretchy powers in the comic books is like the embiggening powers and stretching out and having a very big hand. 
And uh, that's what you see represented when she catches Zoe uh, in this scene. And I think what it what it showed to me is like, hey, like the spirit, the essence of these powers are still there. We're just giving her something that can do even more. And uh, and, and I like that because these powers look super, super cool. I've compared them in the past to Green Lantern and constructs that are created with the wings mm-hmm. or the rings, I should say. And so uh, that's kind of what I see here, but with just a very cool cosmic look to it. And uh, I'm a big fan of these powers. We don't see a ton of them. But in this moment that she gets to save Zoe, granted, she's saving her from a a situation that Kamala created. uh, But nevertheless, uh, saving Zoe, uh, as she did in the comic books, too, was one of the early saves for Kamala Khan or Miss Marvel upon initially getting her powers. So um, that part of it I I thought was really great. I I love the this first look at the powers, even if, yeah, some of this stuff, uh, the the physics of it is questionable. Well, I I think this and I. I, by this point, I really like this episode, uh, you know, at this point. And when it gets to the cosplay and how she gets up and she's right in front and the powers are coming out, it's a little – I'm glad you acknowledged that part of it because that that was the last thing I had. A, a, and it wasn't like, this is ridiculous. I've turned this crap off. It wasn't – not even close. But it definitely was like, yikes. I did not – that was not executed well. The embiggening hand, though, I thought was fine, but it's just like when, when when Chloe gets clobbered by you know Thor's hammer, and I'm like, and she's just flying around. I'm like, how is she like? It must surviving? be a very very soft like giant it, <laughs> Thor. Hammer. Yeah, because like, she gets hit like I think more than once, right? Like it's like multiple times. Well, I think she I just think... gets smacked, and she's like stuck to it and swinging, right? on it, and then she falls. But the on the fall, she's caught by kamala so right right I thought, yeah but the one like hit, was... the one hit that initially like puts her on that mjolnir <laughs> like that seemed like enough to that she would i know even if she survives that like i don't think she's like totally she's okay out. yeah but oh yeah, well. no yeah exactly so all that being said i i, I did like it because i did think the beginning powers were cool I, I again, I've gone on record many times talking about this, and I'm not sure if you want me to save my prediction for the powers uh, for after the show or after the show, but after we're done towards the end of the episode or now. No, might, um, I mean, we're we're almost we're pretty much at the end of the episode, so go for it. All right, so so here's my here's my th- my take on it because a lot of people have you know they want to know how are they different, you know what are they why did they do it, etc. Here's where I think where they're going with it, and they're already they're already hinted at the fact that these powers could be potentially be brought down from her family, right? And her mom might have some idea about this and what those bands are. I've talked about the quantum bands, maybe, or quasar um, aspect of it, which I like a lot. Um, the quantum bands is definitely very enriched in the Marvel Universe. What I think, it's either that, which I think is still, you know, maybe they're passed down generation generation. Here's a wild card, a dark horse thing where I kind of, you kind of almost do a little bit of the inhuman aspect. Mm-hmm. I think it's possible that her family comes from a Cree line, maybe not like full on Cree, but there's somehow Cree in their family line somewhere. And that they're that because the Cree created the inhumans initially, like that's the whole backstory is that they are mm. created by the Cree and brought, and they're supposed to harvest them. They kind of go out of control and become their own entity at that point. So I think it, keeping it in line because I think you want to make the powers to Miss Marvel very personal, right? You don't want them to be just a anyone can put the bands on and become, you know, you, you want to make it personal for this character specifically, right? And I think the inhuman aspect is from the comic books has kind of brought that brings that into it, and people like that about her because it's kind of a part of her, a part of her personality, the whole Terra Genesis thing. 
I think these bands are, they're somehow her genetics of the Cree genetics and those bands are all connected, but they're from the Cree line and it makes, cause she talks about cosmic and that's very much something that she loves and, 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 and it uh, looks to um, Captain Marvel. And those are all Cree aspects as well. So I think that there's going to be a Cree connection. I'm not sure where the Cree connection is exactly, but I do think it's going to be, somehow in her bloodline somewhere, or maybe her mom knows that. And is like, she doesn't like that aspect of She doesn't know it specifically, but knows like legends of it, maybe if you will. So almost like she is kind of like a backdoor inhuman Cree, something like that, where it skips a generation. And that's what makes her afraid. Like her, knows her mom had those powers or had that capability and it scared her. And again, we were referring to her mom. Um, so, it's there's a lot of interesting aspects there, right? I think that's that's what I clicked, you know, picked up on. I and again, I'm not sure if that's already been put out there, but that's where my my feeling is. I think that there is a somehow there's a connection to her bloodline with the Kree and those bands. Maybe those are quantum bands, or they're they're some of the cousins of the quantum bands, something like that. They only work with her bloodline, her family, um, but they are definitely from the Kree, uh, somehow Kree related Kree bloodlines in some ways. Yeah, I think there is something, and look, the Kree are aware of Earth, right, in Captain Marvel, and they've been there, and so right. mm-hmm. the idea that they were there a long time ago, and then create something in the bloodline for Kamala Khan, whether that's actual Kree, or even the inhuman thing, like, just the visual representation, like, when she snapped on the bangle, I'm like, was that, like, its own miniature version of Terragenesis that we just saw her go through? Um so I'm not even dismi- uh, I'm not even dismissing the inhuman component of this, especially now that, granted, it was in a multiversal sort of way, but we did have Black Bolt and they did call him an inhuman in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So I'm not as dismissive of those ideas as, as maybe I had been in the past. But the how and why of her powers, I mean, uh, from the, the practical explanation of it, I'm not as excited about, like, it'll be fine, whatever it is, and as long as it makes some sort of sense. But I what I am most excited about, though, is obviously there's something that's very specific to Kamala and her family and their experience that I like about this. And something that it's a past that clearly her family must not be comfortable with. Like, because I think her mother's resistance to like the daydreaming of Kamala Khan. It's not, it's not just, Oh, I want my kid to focus on the right things So they get good grades and go to college and get a good job and, and whatever. There is something about this. Like there is a certain level of harm or potential for harm or something like that, that I think Kamala's mother is, uh, is reacting to, which is why she has, I think such a strong opinion about it. So it's really the emotional through line of, of how that bangle works and the powers and all of that um, that I, I think really excites me the most. Um, and I can't wait till we till we get to that because I, I do think it's going to be uh, I do think it's going to be pretty special. Um, but anyway, Kamala gets back home. Great little moment there between her and Bruno, like another representation of the powers where she essentially gives herself a boost, something to step on to get up to her room. Cause remember that branch broke. Um, but then when he's, she's talking about, you can never ever tell anybody. And he just says, yeah, of course, like never, ever. Like he, he wouldn't have even thought of it, uh, telling anybody else. I just like that moment between the two of them, uh, at, fr- as friends. And then when she sneaks back into her room, uh, her Ami, her mother is there and it's like very classic, but even, but an even more intense version of, 
Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Disappointed. Ugh. And and not in like the like I want you to hurt sort of way. Um, but it's like, no, like I really am disappointed and I have to express this to you. Um Ugh. as I said, you know, saying like I wish that you would just focus on you and and asking Kamal, like, who does she want to be? Like this cosmic head in the clouds person or somebody uh attached to reality. And as I was saying before, um, you know, just moments ago that, yeah, I, I think there are specific reasons why her mother is, is so fearful of, of where Kamala is at right now and the choices that she's making. Um, and so that scene was, uh, that, that, that scene was, was very strong, very emotional, but I, I think what I love most about it is like Kamala absorbs that and, and she does so in a very real, genuine way. But she answers the question, you know, do you want to be that, uh, you know, or do you want to be the cosmic head in the clouds person? Well, when mom leaves and Kamala lays on her bed and looks at her glowing hand, she gives the answer cosmic. She wants Mm -hmm. to be that cosmic person because it's not just head in the clouds anymore. She actually has cosmic powers. Um, And so it was a an emotional, but also like hopeful and thrilling kind of end of the episode, emotional from the standpoint of what this means for her relationship right now with her mother, but then very hopeful for Kamala Khan that uh, her dreams are becoming real. Yeah. This was another part where I just, it just, uh, it, you understand from both perspectives and yeah, I, I really liked again, the, the dynamic the, again, the mother, the, the parent stuff is so good in this. Um, I, I really liked it. And Seeing that authentic, like just how just she's so sad and hurt. And so you have like this, it's almost like this is where I think the show, I think is, is kind of got me really stoked on it is the whole idea artistically to go with the fact that the more, the more she, she defies her, you know, who her parents want her to be the more she's becoming who she wants to be. You see, it's just, it's very interesting. And I'm not saying that's always the case. You should just go by that, you know, willy nilly, but it is interesting. It's an interesting, I think, dynamic to have that the more she defies that, the more she's becoming who she, who she is because she's, she's, she's becoming, she's going into her own instincts. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting and cool. And I like that aspect of it. Um, you know, and again, it's, it brings up a kind of an interesting idea. Like, do you become who someone else wants you to be, or do you become who you are? And it's that, again, I'm a big theme person. And those are themes I think that are really important for anyone of any age to have. And, um, it was, it was, again, I like it. Like you you said it perfectly, how that you gotta choose who you be. And she's like, I'm going to be cosmic. And it's like, dang, like I, this is where the show really, I think thrives when it's, when it sits down, it doesn't try to be like throwing a million things at you at once and really tries to go into these, these conversations and these emotional moments. And I just love them. I think they're really good. And I, I love this ending. I thought it was a perfect ending to the show. It really was. And I was very surprised that in the first episode, we already get a mid credit scene. Um, yeah, I was not expecting it all. And it was on the screener too. So like I was, Going through it, like just watching it, because, you know, like I always like the, well, I mean, I watch through the credits anyway, but like you, the main titles are always cool and the, the main titles that they have for this one of the credits are, are great. Um, and then all of a sudden, like where I'm expecting it to cut to just the regular credits without all the the style and the animation to it, all of a sudden it's a mid credit scene. And wait a minute, that's that guy from <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home, mm-hmm. um, like showing up as uh, part of damage control and so we see that they're still here and, and still checking stuff out and that's uh agent cleary played by uh arian moayed 
and then we're introduced to uh, to another character, uh, Agent Deaver, played by uh, Alicia Reiner. And I was not expecting this at all, but we know that, of course, damage control is monitoring things and uh, looks like monitoring young heroes especially. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it's, I don't know if... Uh, it definitely kind of seems like it's um, Agent Deaver who gets kind of dispatched to go check out Kamala Khan. So she's probably going to be our main damage control representative in this show. Um, I'm not sure about Agent Cleary, but I know that guy is also part of Succession, and I don't know where his schedule allowed him to to be a big part of this show. He'll probably pop up again uh, at some point, but it oh, looks yeah. like Deaver might be our, our field agent for this, so I'm looking forward to seeing what this means for Kamala Khan. And this is that other part of it, right? This is This is amongst the other things that come with being a superhero. So right now for Kamala Khan, it's very exciting. A dream is coming true. She's got superpowers. She's already kind of you know, saved someone, um, and she might be able to be the hero that she has dreamed about doing, uh, be kind of like the heroes that she has, especially her favorite in Carol Danvers. All of that is great and exciting, but there's also a lot that comes with it. Um, and not all of that is exciting and fun. So, uh, just knowing that that is also part of what's in store for Kamala Khan and just going to uh, complicate her own search for her identity in this series uh, will keep things very emotional while also, yeah, being exciting and and a total blast, um, which really sums up what this episode was. It was emotional, but it was also exciting and a total blast. Uh, as I was saying at the top, I think this is just a, a pitch-perfect portrayal of Kamala Khan herself by Iman Vellani, uh, and of course, Bisha K. Ali, who wrote this episode, created the series for uh, television, Adil and Bilal, uh, the directors of this episode, uh, obviously uh, Sana Amanat as you know one of the key creators for this character, and, and so much of it, you know, so much of herself being put into the story of this character uh, back when she was first introduced in the comic books, and then helping to shepherd this project um, as it becomes a, a live action adaptation in the MCU. They really, truly captured um, all of what made those comic, what's made those comic books so great, what's made this character so great. Uh, in comic books and in other adaptations like animation, uh, you know, now in video games as well. Uh, they've been able to capture all of that and add to it in this series. And this is just the first episode and there's uh, more great stuff in store for uh, the second episode. So I'm excited for everybody to check that out next week and then to reconvene uh, and discuss it all. I and maybe I'm again, this is all Captain Obvious here, but bear with me. Uh, I think that damage control is going to be the gateway to all the young heroes now. So mm. what I mean by that yeah. is I think it's going to be how the young Avengers or God, I hope they call themselves young Avengers, not champions, but whatever. Um, but I think how they all get connected and find out each other and find out is going to be all through damage control. There's going to be like, they're going to be the central hub of like, some somehow it's going to be that they break into damage control or damage control has kind of brought them all together somehow something like that they are connected and that main guy is going to have like it like kind of like maybe he is the the chaperone mentor of those kids potentially at some point or the, he's the, either a mentor or he's an antagonist like uh, a, a B antagonist where he's like the background person they all have to avoid. You know, we have to avoid the guy from get damage control. I forgot what his name his character is in the show, but or whatever. But yeah, I think he's like, the I think he's the antagonist that eventually turns into go get him kids. Like it's yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's yeah, that exactly, thing. Exactly. Of like exactly. you know, 
I don't want you doing any of this stuff. The world needs you to do this stuff. <laughs> like that. Exactly. That he perfect yeah. for it too. Yeah. He's no. He. Well, look, he's great. Like, and I, I love him on Succession, and I like the idea of him having a recurring role in the MCU and and Damage Control kind of being a central hub for a lot of characters, but particularly the young heroes of the MCU. Um, I, I like that idea a lot, and looking forward to seeing how it gets explored here. And as Kamala Khan starts her own relationship with damage control, whether she wants one or not, uh, what she gets introduced to and what she gets to hear about, um, I think is going to be uh, really exciting. And so I'm yeah. really stoked to see where this goes from here. But yeah, that is, uh, that's it for our episode one spoiler review for Ms. Marvel. Thanks as always for listening and also for following along at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you check out Fan Show Plus at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or over on Apple Podcasts. And uh, Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on YouTube at The Comic Binge, where we uh, break down all kinds of crazy comic book stuff. And, uh, man, like I said, I, I've teased it. And we're going to have a crazy uh, Doctor Strange episode at the end of the month where we're, we're going to be, like, overviewing, like, I want to say almost 20, 30 Doctor Strange comics. And some, a lot of them are including the, the Strange Tale stuff, you know, this Lily Ditko. It's like five, six page, pages, whatever. Yeah, those were half so, a comic each. Yeah, but but whatever. There's a that you put in. There's there's a lot. Go, there's a lot we're gonna be talking about with uh, Alex from uh, Comic Book Historians, and it's gonna be insane. Um, I'm really excited about it. We just did a bunch of uh, Star Wars comics reviews for you know, our our happiness of, with Kenobi. So yeah, lots of great stuff up there. You can follow me on Twitter at Herman22 with two ends, aka P Thug, and uh, yeah, hit me up. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.